Good evening. Let us begin the public worship of God this evening by singing to God's praise in Psalm 119, page 403. It will come up on the screen, so that's fine. Psalm 119, verse 41 to 48. Let thy sweet mercies also come and visit me, O Lord even thy benign salvation according to thy word. These verses, 41 to 48, Psalm 119.
Let us pray together. O Lord, deliver us from familiarity with uh, these words that would give us to neglect them. We have just some, sung something which is a declaration from our lips but grant that it would be a commitment from our heart and in our lives I will thy holy precepts make my meditation and carefully I'll have respect unto thy ways each one give us Lord a, a greater appreciation of the permanency and the relevance of your word the prophet knew something of that when he said thy word was found and I did eat it and it became to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart we come together tonight as folks who have forgotten you in things we have said and thought we have forgotten you in the attitudes and aspirations we have had we are sinners but praise be to your name it's for sinners that Jesus came into the world and Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners they help us to know what it is to be rescued and to understand that to be rescued is our greatest need we as a community have in recent days been preoccupied with the price of fuel We've been preoccupied with inflation. Grant that we would be, as your people, preoccupied with our need of Christ. And that our greatest desire would be that others, our neighbours, our children, our families, would come to know Christ Jesus as their Lord and their Saviour. Lord we pray for our royal family today we think of the multitudes who this afternoon watched the cortege and were reminded of their and our frailty but give us to rejoice that we have a king who lives forever who is risen and ascended for us and who is here with us according to the promise to the two or three met together in your name we pray for the people involved in the funeral service for our late queen we pray for the new king Charles Lord we would in our self-righteousness have many ways in which we might be critical of him 
But Lord, we ask that we would remember that we too are sinners and that there is mercy and we need mercy and we plead for that for us as a nation. Lord, bless and pity us. Shine on us with thy face that the earth thy way and nations all may know thy saving grace. We pray for this group of your people and thank you for each of them. Give them to be lively lights in this community and that your spirit would accompany their witness to the awakening of the dead and to the reviving of the living. We pray for those engaged in looking after our communities, the police, the hospitals and other public services. Lord, we take so much for granted. Give us to pray for them and to seek the prosperity of Zion and to speak, seek the prosperity of our communities. We pray for those who may be lonely tonight. Perhaps it's a neighbor. Perhaps it's someone who used to be here who can't be here. Give us to have a fellow feeling for them and to ask for them and show care to them. Pardon us for our sins as we profess to worship. We can't do it without your help. We can perhaps put words together. We can perhaps stay awake, but we will not worship you unless your spirit comes and takes of the things of your word and makes them precious to us. Pardon us for our sins in all of that and in everything. For Jesus' sake. Amen. And we'll again sing in Psalm 97. Psalm 97 verses 1 to 7 and it's on page, well it's on page 128. Uh, well, it's Psalm 97. You have it there, so it'll come up on the screen. The Lord reigns, let the earth be glad, let distant shores express delight.
Let us read together and listen and give heed to Jeremiah chapter 36. It's a wonderful story and uh, we hope by God's help to look at this story tonight. Jeremiah chapter 36. In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Take a scroll and write on it all the words that I have spoken to you against Israel and Judah and all the nations from the day I spoke to you, from the days of Josiah until today. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the disaster I intend to do to them, so that everyone may turn from his evil way, and that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Barak the son of Neriah, and Barak wrote on a scroll at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord that he had spoken to him. And Jeremiah ordered Barak, saying, I am banned from going to the house of the Lord, so you are to go, and on a day of fasting in the hearing of all the people in the Lord's house, you shall read the words of the Lord from the scroll that you have written at my dictation. You shall read them also in the hearing of all the men of Judah who come out of their cities. It may be that their plea for mercy will come before the Lord and that everyone will turn from his evil way for great is the anger and wrath that the Lord has pronounced against his people. And Barak the son of Neriah did all that Jeremiah the prophet ordered him about reading from the scroll the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. In the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month, all the people in Jerusalem and all the people who came from the cities of Judah to Jerusalem proclaimed a fast before the Lord. Then, in the hearing of all the people, Barak read the words of Jeremiah from the scroll in the house of the Lord, in the chamber of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, the secretary, who was in the upper court at the entry of the new great of the Lord's house. When Micaiah, the son of Gemariah, son of Shaphan, heard all the words of the Lord from the scroll, he went down to the king's house, into the secretary's chamber, and all the officials were sitting there. Elishama, the secretary, Deliah, the son of Shemaiah, Elnathan, the son of Achbor, Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, Zedekiah, the son of Hananiah, and all the officials. And Micaiah told them all the words that he had heard. When Barak read the scroll in the hearing of the people. Then all the officials sent Jehudi, the son of Nathaniah, son of Shelemiah, son of Cushi, to say to Barak, Take in your hand the scroll that you read in the hearing that you read in the hearing of the people and come. So Barak the son of Neriah took the scroll in his hand and came to them. And they said to him, Sit down and read it. So Barak read it to them. When they heard all the words, they turned one to another in fear 
And they said to Barak, We must report all these words to the king. Then they asked Barak, Tell us, please, how did you write all these words? Was it at his dictation? Barak answered them, He dictated all these words to me while I wrote them with ink on the scroll. Then the official said to Barak, Go and hide you and Jeremiah and let no one know where you are. So they went into the court to the king, having put the scroll in the chamber of Elishama the secretary, and they reported all the words to the king. Then the king sent Jehudi to get the scroll, and he took it from the chamber of Elishama the secretary, and Jehudi read it to the king and all the officials who stood beside the king. It was the ninth month, and the king was sitting in the winter house. And there was a fire burning in the fire pot before him. As Judy read three or four columns, the king would cut them off with a knife and throw them into the fire, in the fire pot, until the entire scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the fire pot. Yet neither the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words was afraid. Nor did they tear their garments. Even when Elnathan and Deliah and Gemariah urged the king not to burden the scroll, he would not listen to them. And the king commanded Jeremiel, the king's son, and Sariah, the son of Azrael, and Shelemiah, the son of Abdil, to seize Barak, the secretary, and Jeremiah, the prophet. But the Lord hid them. Now after the king had burned the scroll with the words that Barak wrote at Jeremiah's dictation, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, Take another scroll and write on it all the former words that were in the first scroll, which Jehoiakim the king of Judah has burned. And concerning Jehoiakim king of Judah you shall say, Thus says the Lord, you have burned this scroll, saying, Why have you written in that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land, and will cut off from it man and beast? Therefore thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim king of Judah, He shall have none to sit on the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out to the heat by day and the frost by night. And I will punish him and his offspring and his servants for their iniquity. And I will bring upon them and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem and upon the people of Judah all the disaster that I have pronounced against them. But they would not here. Then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to Barak the scribe, the son of Neriah, who wrote on it at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the scroll that Jehoiakim king of Judah had burned on the fire, and many similar words were added to them. And we trust that God will help us to understand and remember that passage and learn from it and bless it to us. We'll again sing from the Scottish Psalter, 
Psalm 32 verses 1 through 5 the Scottish Psalter Psalm 32 verses 1 through 5 O blessed is the man to whom is freely pardoned all the transgression he has done whose sin is covered
we're intending to look at the whole chapter and other parts of the book of Jeremiah, but perhaps it might be worthwhile, I'm sure it would be worthwhile, uh, reading again verse 23 of Jeremiah chapter 36. Jehudi read three or four columns. The king would cut them off with a knife and throw them into the fire until the entire scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the fire pot. Jeremiah was quite a, a character. He knew what it was to be beaten, to be in stocks, to be locked in a dungeon. Remember he was left, let down with ropes into a dungeon and there was no water in it. Although we're told that it was very muddy. And there he was left to die. He knew something of uh, depression. You'll find that in several places but in chapter 2 verse 14 he said, Cursed be the man who made my father glad. And brought in the news that I was born. And here we are, this evening, two and a half thousand years later, a reading from the longest book in the Bible by this man who had an immense struggle. The Bible often relates for us struggles between human power and pride and God's weak servants who bring the word. And that's an important lesson for us, that it's out of weakness that the preacher preaches, or it ought to be. Remember meek Moses going to King Pharaoh, let my people go. I think his knees were trembling. Not Pharaoh, Moses' knees. Remember mild Nathan going to this uh, warrior king, King David, and saying to him, You are the sinner. Thou art the man. Remember John the Baptist, the desert boy, the desert man, the poor man, to King Herod. You should not have done that. Getting married to your brother's wife and then we have Paul evil as he was there he was locked in the prison coming to Felix the man who had the power and saying to power there's a day of judgment coming and here we have Jeremiah who as you may recall said in chapter 1 verse 6 I'm just a little boy. I'm just a child. I cannot speak. And here we have against him speaking against Jehoiakim, the king, who was appointed by powerful Pharaoh. There are three things we would like to consider together. Firstly, the incident, just briefly to Go over the story here. 
an important story with vital lessons for us. And secondly, the message. The message that Jeremiah was to bring. The message that was to be written. And lastly, the reaction. How did they react? And the application is, I trust, as we go through this, that you and I will be looking at the mirror of God's word, which it is, and saying, is there something of that in me? What is my reaction to the word of God? Firstly, the story, then the message, and then the reaction. The story God told Jeremiah in verse 2 Write out all your sermons, the words you spoke against Israel and Judah. And uh, I don't think Jeremiah was very good with a pen, actually, because he needed somebody to do the writing for him, a bit like myself. Jeremiah the prophet asked Barak to write them and read them. And Barak did this in the Lord's house. And so what? No change. Little reaction, verse 8. Then it seems this wicked nation had a little bit of a problem. Maybe it was a big problem. An enemy seemed to threaten. So they decided to do something religious. We'll have a fast day. So they had a fast day. And Barak sat at a window and read. Jeremiah's sermons folks heard it and said verse 16 you know that's quite significant the the king should hear this the king needs to hear what you've just told us and there was the king he was in his winter palace (coughs) And Jehudi reads, there was what we might call a deathly silence. Just the voice of Jehudi and the crackling of the fire in the firepot. The king reaches forward, gets a hold of part of the manuscript, a few leaves of it. The leaves that have been read, the bits that Jehudi has read, he wants them and he gets a hold of them. My, why is he doing that? Is he wanting to keep them? Is he wanting to treasure them? Is he wanting to read them again? Is he wanting to pray about them? Why is he doing that, I wonder? Does he want to see it and read it for himself? No, no. He cuts it up with a knife and throws it in the fire. Watching it burn, he listens to more of the same. And again, out with a hand and the knife, chop it up, chuck it in the fire. Until the scroll is red and cut and burnt. He's virtually saying, just rubbish. These things will not happen. I am in control here. I have cut them up. 
I've burnt them, forget them, let's go on as we did before. There's nothing in that for any of us. It's as if he said, the sun can't be shining. I blew it out last night. So what was the message? I would indicate that there are four elements of the message. The first you'll find in verse 3 and in verse 7. Verse 3. All the disaster I intend to do to them. Verse 7. The anger and wrath that God has against them. The whole of Jeremiah's writings are scattered with this. Chapter 2, verse 20, you are rotten. Verse 21, even the best soap will not clean you. You have hewn out for yourselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. Chapter 4, verse 18, your wickedness has stabbed you to the heart. It's something that's inside you. Yes, it was hard for Jeremiah to say these things, but he knew that they needed to be said regardless of the consequences. I wish my head were a well of water and mine eyes fountains of tears, so that I would cry day and night for you. I'm concerned about you. So that's the first part of the message, the message of the judgment for sin. This is what God wants us to know. The wages of sin is death. Every sin deserves God's wrath and God's curse Jeremiah said it in chapter 31 everyone shall die for his iniquity nobody warned more about the consequences of sin than the gentle kind patient Lord Jesus Weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Do you know that? That is most solemn and serious. As you know, we publish a number of books about revival. And many, if not all, of the revivals, that was central to it. And there will be some occasions in Scotland when after a sermon on the judgment of God, there would be no chat. The people could not speak.
Second part of the message was repentance, thankfully. You'll see that in verse 3 and verse 7. That they may turn from his evil way. God wants us to turn from our evil way. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Are you a repenter? God wishes you to repent. And he wanted these people, that nation, through the words of Jeremiah, to come to repentance. The goodness of God ought to lead us to repentance. I remember hearing the Al Martin, the American pastor, Reformed Baptist pastor, preaching in Inverness on one occasion on the text in the YMCA in Inverness. On the text, God commands all men everywhere to repent. And he went on about it, and on about it, and on about it. It was everybody, everywhere. Man, woman, boy, girl. God commands everyone, everywhere, to repent. Billy Graham was asked by our friend, late friend, Richard Buse, do you want to preach again? He was frail. He said, I would love to preach again. Oh, what would your text be, Mr. Graham? Oh, I, I know what my text would be. Except you repent, you will perish. What is repentance unto life? Repentance unto life is a saving grace whereby a sinner out of a true sense of sin and apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ doth with grief and hatred turn from his sin to God with full purpose of and endeavour after new obedience. A hundred years ago, every child in every school in Scotland was taught that. In the local shop in Kildare, my mother used to go up there and buy a copy of the Shorter Catechism and take it to school. All the children had that. So friends, please teach your children the Shorter Catechism. And you were saying, well, I don't know what to do. I can't repent. I, I, I know the words of, is it question 87? But I, I, don't know what, I don't know what to do. Well, God has exalted Jesus. And his two great ascension gifts are faith and repentance. He hath exalted with his right hand, Acts 5.31, to be a prince and a saviour, and to give repentance. You might be saying you can't repent, and in your own strength you can't. 
but he gives repentance. I remember an old man in Inverness, Finla Beaton, as a boy he said to us, there's there's something that's sweet on earth that you'll not be able to do in heaven. I didn't know what he was speaking about. And it was repentance. Apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ. So there's anger and wrath and there's repentance and then again in verse 3 there's forgiveness that I may forgive their iniquity and sin. That little exaggeration that uh, little bit of covetousness that white lie that selfishness that lies at my door and perhaps at yours there is forgiveness there is forgiveness that forgiveness and of sins might be preached in his name And he preached it himself. Remember? On the cross. They were bashing his feet and his hands with these nails. Father forgive them. How he could do that. I don't know. But he did. A forgiving spirit. He from Psalm 102 is it? He from his sanctuary's height hath downward cast his eye. And from his glorious throne in heaven the Lord the earth did spy. He's looking. He's looking at you. Why? The next verse tells us that of the mournful prisoner the groanings he might hear He wants to hear our groanings. Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm in such a mess. So there's forgiveness. And then there's prayer. See that in verse 7. Their plea for mercy. Have you prayed for mercy? I did. I did as a boy at the bedside when I was about ten. I prayed for mercy. My brother, older brother, had professed faith and my younger brother had too. And I thought all I had to do was just plead for mercy. And I pleaded for mercy for an hour or two or three. Nothing happened. Because I wasn't looking to Jesus. God knows whether you have prayed for mercy and whether you are looking unto Jesus. God knows whether there's business going on between your heart and soul and heaven. I can't tell. I think, as far as I can see, you're mostly awake. Yeah, there's one or two smiling when I said that. But... Are you doing business with heaven? 
You're professing to come into the church here. You're saying, I'm here to worship God. He's after your heart. So in the message there were four things. There was the anger and wrath. There was repentance. There was forgiveness. And there was prayer. So finally the reaction. And the first is the king. Cut it up. Out of mind. I don't want any more to do with it. Is there something of Jehoiakim in yourself? In the mirror of God's word, are you seeing a reflection of some reaction you have to the word of God? I cannot bear to think about that. I won't let it change my life. Not yet, anyway. Will your Bible witness against you? You have it. You got it from your mum or your dad or your grandfather. And you don't bother opening it. You don't bother reading in it. You don't bother thinking about it. You never use it. It's lying closed. It's, it's in the bedroom. I know what it is. I know where it is. There was a friend of mine, John Martin was his name. He was from Harris. He was he lived in Wick. He went away to sea and his mother told him, Take the Bible with you. Take the Bible with you. So he took the Bible with him and away he went. And he arrived in West Africa and the practice was when they arrived there to get a local from that community to come onto the ship, take their clothes and get them washed. So the boy from West Africa came back after he had cleaned the clothes and gave them to John Martin. And uh, John Martin said, well, I'd like to pay you. What will I give you? What would you like? You know? Oh, there's a Bible there. My mother and I have longing to get a Bible. Can I get the Bible? And John Martin said, oh, yeah, that saves me parting with any cash. And he gave him the Bible. And it was on his way back in sea, in a storm, that John Martin realized the Bible didn't mean anything to me. And he came to Jesus as he was, weary and worn and sad. The king cut it up. And sometimes you'll get angry perhaps with the messenger. Why is he speaking to me? Well they were angry with Jeremiah as we'll come to notice. How different from Josiah, Jehoiakim's father. Jehoi, Josiah showed penitence and sought the Lord and he tore his clothes and he wept. Do you know how old he was? He was eight years old. So the king cut it up. Secondly, some worried a little. 
Verse 16, they were afraid. They looked at each other alarmed. Alarm. Isn't it alarming? When death comes near. Isn't it alarming on Thursday night, 6 o'clock? I was sitting in our front room. There was six Americans in with me. Karen came into the, to the room and said, the Queen died. I cried. Not given to it, but I cried. And the Americans cried. We are confronted with something that all must die. Yes, we have an attachment to her. We, she, does, she didn't know me. But my king knows me. It's not enough to just be a little alarmed. Esau was sorry for his sin. He found no place of repentance. Though he sought it bitterly with tears. Herod did many things when he heard John the Baptist. He heard him gladly we're told. And what happened next? We have the platter. And the party. And John the Baptist's head on it. People can be impacted by the Bible. Impacted by the preaching. <coughs> That's not enough. Felix trembled. Leave it off for another time, he said. Agrippa was arrested. Have you been arrested before? Under the preaching of the word of God. <coughs> Have you? And what happened? Nothing. Did you bow the knee? The king cut it up. Some worried a little. Some were not afraid at all. Verse 24 Neither the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words were afraid nor did they tear their garments. And you might be like that too. Well I've got time yet. I've got a good collection of good books. My granny prayed for me. I've got a good minister. I know things about the Bible but not yet. Maybe. Maybe when I get through university, maybe when I get a good job, maybe when I get married, maybe when I get a bit older, maybe when I get cancer, maybe when I'm in Rigmore about to die. They were not afraid at all. They were not trembling at the word of God. There's a very lovely encouragement in a way. It's in Isaiah verse chapter 66. That God looks on those who tremble at his word. Do you tremble at his word? So there was the king who cut it up. There were some who worried a little. Some who weren't worried at all. Then there were some who valued it. It's in verse 25. Elnathan, Deliah and Gemari urged the king. Oh king, please don't burn that book. 
don't want it destroyed. O how love I thy law. This word of thine my comfort is in mine affliction. It's sweeter than honey. Is the Bible, the word of God, sweeter than honey? Or is it a dead letter? When it says honour your father, do you do it? When it says redeem the time, do you do it? I heard a sermon this last week, I think, from Alistair Begg. And he quoted the late Reverend Donald MacDonald, who was a minister in Greyfriars in Inverness. And it, to hear this from a well-known American pastor, Scottish roots, yeah, coming from Donald MacDonald from Greyfriars in Inverness was quite remarkable. It was a long, it was a full-page quotation, but it was on the Sabbath day. And it was written when Donald MacDonald was active and living in, in Inverness. And it was about the consequences of neglect of the Lord's Day. And he was spot on. What's happened in our culture, what's happened in our education, what's happened in our business, in our society, he was linking back then, he was saying this is what's going to happen. Some valued it. So do you value it? Do you accept it by... Lots of stuff in the Bible I don't understand. But if it's there, that's good enough for me. And it's certainly good enough for you. It's good enough for us. It's very good for us. It's not whether you like it. Sometimes it cuts you up. And that's good for us, getting cut up. So there was the king cutting it up. There was those who worried a little. There was those who weren't worried at all. And there was those who wanted it preserved. And then there's Jer- Jeremiah himself. The king said, get a hold of him. And his mate, Barah. See if you can lock them up in jail. They're a nuisance. They're a nuisance to society. Cut it all up. So what did what did Jeremiah do? I think I would have gone and disappeared. No, he said I'll, I'll, I'll have another go. I'll write it all out again. And God told him to do that. And God told him to add a little bit or two. And the little bit or two was Jehoiakim. You're not going to have a son to follow you. And you're not going to get a decent burial. Jeremiah was not going to be put off. All the opposition was not going to alter his commitment. In chapter 20 he says, everyone's mocking me. I have to warn them, but I am reluctant to do so. Then I say to myself, I'll have to give it up. All this sermonizing and preaching and all these messages I'm delivering to the people, I'll have to pack it in. 
but I can't. It's like a fire in my bones. I have to proceed and to tell it. You know there's a verse in Daniel chapter 9 that tells us what the king was doing to the word of God and what this world has done to the Lord Jesus. The Messiah shall be cut off. What was happening? The king was saying, cut the word. Get rid of it. What was Jerusalem saying? Crucify him. Crucify him. The word that was made flesh was cut. So what is your reaction to the word of God? I know you all have a reaction. You're either saying, I wish you'd get finished. That's enough. Or you're saying, well, so what? Quite interesting, but not for me. Oh yeah, I may do something about it later on. What are you doing with the word of God? Is there a part of your life you haven't given to him? He's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. He's not Lord of all. If, he, if he, He's not Lord of all. If you have something you're holding back. Take care. This word is the power of God and to salvation to everyone that believeth. And whether I like it or not, or you like it or not, the reality is I have to answer for what I have tried to say this evening. And so have you to answer for what you heard or did not hear. May the Lord bless his word to us. Let us pray together. Lord, you see us through and through, or as we say, you see us inside out. You look, with, you look on our hearts, uh, not just our minds, on, on our affections. And you are saying to us, you're saying to us to give to you our heart. Son, daughter, give to me your heart. You were asking these people that they would understand your anger against sin, your willingness to give repentance, your gladness to show forgiveness, and your help for them to pray. Have mercy. Teach us. Lead us to say of Jesus, He is all my salvation and all my desire that thank you for coming 
to this world and dying for us in our place and rising again for us and thank you for coming to North Keswick tonight so that we would say you are all together lovely my chiefest joy bless the pastor here and the elders and deacons and everyone who worships here and the little children thank you for their noises may they soon come to sing your praise and to follow you keep us pity us and pardon us for Jesus sake Amen We'll conclude by singing to God's praise in Psalm 102. Psalm 102. And we want to sing verses 17 to 22. Psalm 102, verses 17 through to 22. And there's that uh, verse I quoted earlier on, or tried to. Um, Verse 19. He from his sanctuary's height hath downward cast his eye, and from his glorious throne in heaven (coughs) the Lord the earth did spy, that of the mournful prisoner the groanings he might hear. (coughs) And I trust that you and I have had a a wee groaning because he hears verse 17 to 22 to God's praise
that we would be found saying of you my Lord and my God we are thankful for your word help us not to forget it that you would give us to address our souls and say don't be forgetful of your word keep us bless and pity us and pardon us for Jesus' sake. 